The world is a scary place, but we're going to learn how to survive it together. Welcome to Camp Catastrophe, where we counsel you on crises. Welcome back, campers. My name is Counselor Rain. And my name is Counselor Poppy. And today, we'll be giving you a rundown on animals and animal safety. To kick things off, I'm going to pass the mic over to Counselor Poppy. I have been waiting for this episode for a, a hot minute, even more than the mycology one, to be quite honest. Um, Our campers have been looking forward to this episode for quite a long time as well. I, yeah, sorry, yeah. guys. Uh, <laughs> Life gets in the way. Thank you for being patient with me. <laughs> um what's it called thank you for being patient with your camp counselors um your your one camp counselor finished finals and is also moving soon so we have been a little uh busy and on the down low (laughs) but that's not what you're here for today today you are here to learn about little furry critters and the reason that you cannot pet them no matter how cute they are we really want to as well i promise Um, so, Rain and I are going to be focused in the northeastern coastal region, because, uh, in transparency, we are from the northeast, and if we wanted to give you accurate descriptions of those animals, if we had money, that are in the rest of the world, we'd go there and give you those descriptions, but we're not going to tell you anything that we haven't directly dealt with kind of thing. Right, Rain? That's right. We rely on our honesty and accuracy to bring you the content you deserve and our unmitigated uh foolish optimism in situations such as this that's right glass half full glass half full baby even if it's broken you can refill it um well within the northeast coastal regions we have so we have animals that i'm going to range from small to uh, bigger to biggest to biggie boys and biggie small the rapper of course <laughs> i'm in a strange mood tonight you remind me oh. of my fish that i had named fishy smalls i loved fishy smalls i miss him every day of my life so I do loved, i trust me <laughs> i loved the photos of fishy smalls um So small animals that are native to this region, and I'm not going to go into like every species because uh, to be quite frank, I am not a biologist nor a zoologist, and I'm not going to do that. Nor do we just simply not have the time for that. Exactly. And neither do you listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So some small animals that we got are squirrels, uh, chipmunks, tiny boys that are newts. I love me a good newt. Um, we have lots of different kind of bugs, including uh, green heads and mosquitoes that we in Jersey absolutely despise with a passion. Um, we have many kinds of frogs, everyone's fan favorites, and lots of snakes. So snakes actually range into both the bigger and the small, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of bigger animals, I would say that owls, we've got hawks, beavers, raccoons, um, along with that, we've got uh, coyotes, which go into the bigger category, even bigger than them. Black bears are more common to this region. Brown bears are not typically common in general. We've got foxes, 
sparrows, chickadees, copperheads, rattlesnakes, northern water snakes, fox turtles, mm-hmm. garter snakes, snails, and my personal favorite, uh, a woodchuck. Now, uh, Rain, question. Answer. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Ooh. Well, a woodchuck would chuck as much wood. Oh, fuck. See, you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tongue twister. Caught dude. you off guard. Boom. Yeah, off guard. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. Do you want to try it one more time? A woodchuck would chuck as much wood as a woodchuck could if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'd like the <laughs> listeners to know that we did actually have that planned, but I wanted to drop it in at a time when Rain was not actually thinking about it because I wanted and, to be an asshole. And you fucking got me. You bitch. <laughs> and we're leaving That's... that in. <laughs> um, so, on top of the animals, right? Um, they're mostly harmless in the camping scenarios, right? So you have white-tailed deer, squirrels, chipmunks, birds, turts, turtles of all kind, mostly harmless, except I have had a deer that I had to stave off from my groceries when I was staying up in like eight hours away in Pennsylvania. That was Mm -hmm. fun. I didn't realize deer could be such assholes, but you know. Oh yeah, there was a deer that was always in the trail when I was walking home from high school and it would just stare with its beady little eyes and I would stare and I would just slowly walk past it because I was terrified that it would charge at me if I didn't. I can't believe you've been killed by a deer in your lifetime, Rain. Something. (laughs) Something like that. Within these animals, you really don't want to go near them. Obviously they are menacing and they are watching you and they know your sins. But you don't want to go near them, even if they, they know, know what you sin. did last summer. They did know what you did last summer. I can't tell if that was a Twin Peaks reference or a song reference, but I'm choosing oh. Twin Peaks. M- movie reference, but you know what? Twin Peaks works, too. Hell yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that Scream? No, it's a, I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's a literal movie title. Yeah, and then, and then the fucking sequel is I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> um, probably steer clear. Now, this category is a little more broad. It kind of is everything, to be quite honest. Um, all snakes. Please steer clear of them. So, mm-hmm. fun fact is that uh, despite if a snake, um, you can't really identify it based on having to not get too close to it, I really would like you campers not to touch any of these unless you have a uh, adult supervision, and by adult, I mean an actual professional supervision kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This, These animals are, I know it's a thing with Taurus, and I've seen it, that they like to go up to the animals and they're like, look at the wildlife, it's so majestic. It is, please do it from a distance. You know how you social distance with each other? Social distance with the animals, but double that length. So 12 feet away, please, please do. Um, things charge at you that you really don't expect them to. Um, a big don't, which is take that uh, COVID distance and then double it and then triple it. And that's the length you want to stay away from these things. Um, poisonous snakes are in most places. 
that's why when you're hiking or when you're camping, you always want like good camping shoes that are hard and can actually go over rocky terrain and then lengthen up your socks. It's not just for bugs like chiggers and stuff like that. Um, which also fun fact for everybody back at home, chiggers are actually one of my most feared bugs in my life. Um, my cousins used to get them growing up. Rain, are you mm. familiar with them? Yeah, they're terrible. They are horrifying. They are the most okay? disgusting thing ever. Like, to to consider having a bug that goes under your skin and is just there, a uh, horrifying, horrifying thing. Uh, please consult a doctor if you ever come in contact with those bugs. They are terrifying. Um, they're like a scarab, but native to where I live, and I'm not cool with that shit. Um, so the don'ts as well with bears and coyotes. Coyotes usually do not go anywhere alone. So most pack animals don't usually travel alone and they're more scared of you than you are of them because they know you drive in the thing that can kill them and they themselves would not like to be run over. Same with bears is that most bears wander onto your campsites. Uh, black bears are the most uh, consistent around places and they mostly go near people when they're setting up their tents and everything because it's really easy for a person to hide their food but we're really bad at it which means they're really good at it and mama bears especially if you see cubs with them don't touch those shits mm-hmm. um, on the topic of baby animals we've got fawns right so baby deer um you will hear a lot about people going up and seeing a baby fawn that is laying down and it's covered by foliage, right? Um, mm-hmm. You do not want to touch or move these fawns explicitly because they are not actually lost from their mother. Their mother left them there and they want them to stay there so that when they come back with food, it's all right. But if you get your scent on the animals, the mother is going to be more wary to come back to it, and then you put them in actual danger. Um, tourists and other people that visit these areas are kind of the worst, notoriously, to wildlife in the areas because of such. We really have a problem when you talk to like wildlife preserves about people thinking that they can touch the animals because they're going to be careful that they're going to be safe with them. The rule of thumb is that you should never approach any wildlife animal without being certain of your own and the animal's safety. Taking pictures, great idea. Um, Touching them and holding them, bad. Um, And even getting close, really. Like, there is a reason your iPhone has a three-time zoom. Use it. (laughs) I think cameras have evolved enough that you can have the ability to look at the cute, fluffy animal with eyes that can pierce your soul from a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason why certain diseases are also present in these animals, too. So, like, you know, with hunting practices, this is a, like, small tidbit about them, is that um, most animals that go towards you when you're in hunting practices, and it's all regulated because most predators are not as common in areas anymore because we have hunted them out of existence as a species and civilization. Um, So the practice 
you have to be very careful when handling even those activities because hunters can't shoot deer commonly in their heads and part of their neck region because um you know mad cow disease right yes i do so mad cow disease is a specific disease that is present in cows and it's specifically in their brain and it can transfer Mm -hmm. into the rest of their body through the bloodstream etc etc that is actually a very common disease in other species so it's in bats it's a rare disease in fish and it's a very specific disease in deer so when you have a deer that's acting strangely like on its hind legs or something like that um it could be a demon in the woods you could be encountering that we at the camp counselor catastrophe area cannot help you with demon activity probably we are not certified for that we are not certified exorcists please don't ask us about it um we would be fascinated at your death (laughs) but we have a whole episode on decomposing (laughs) cannot wait oh man um but you have to be wary of animals because uh, in hunters, they have to shoot under the neck because you don't want meat to get infected and you also don't want to spread that disease to other animals. Um, On the topic of spreading diseases to other animals, how many people, as a show of hands, listening to us that we cannot see, um, know about rabies? Put your hands up. Uh-huh. How many people Raise do you think are raising up. their hands? My hands. I'm up. hopefully everybody because it is a very common disease, but not a lot is actually known much about what goes into the rabies virus. Um, mm-hmm. Rain, how much do you know as a general about rabies? I know at least a bit. I know it's a virus spread between animals through mm-hmm. their spit. Mm-hmm. So, got them in coyotes, bats trash goblins we do love us a good trash goblin who washes his hands (laughs) i love raccoons i love raccoons so much it's so unfortunate that they've gotten this disease just like painted onto their backs it's it's terrible but yeah they're the second most yeah it's it's because they come in contact with so many animals in general that they they get it a lot so rabies i made a little segment on how to identify it. Because if you're going camping, um, the fun fact is that I am getting a preventive rabies shot. Um, I suggest it, but you have to check with your doctor, you have to check with your like other things, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It can be taken as a preventative shot. Not many people know that. They think that the rabies shot is just something that you get when you get rabies, but If you are an avid hiker and an avid camper at different times of the year, uh, it is a good thing to consider, especially if you have encountered lots of animals in your time outside, right? Uh, The most common are actually bats that can carry it because bats have a bit of a swooping technique. But raccoons um, are easy identifiers. Rabies is a neurological disease that affects animals and people which is why you have a rabies shot for people. Um, And it is normally spread through saliva, right? But sometimes when they scream, uh, it can also get airborne through the uh, water particles. So um, in vets' offices, 
sometimes they will have to wear masks and they'll have to decontaminate everything if you brought a rabies animal, a rabid animal, into the office, right? Um, there are three stages following the incubation period, and rabies incubates about, uh, this is what's scary about it, that depending by breed, it can range from nine days to eight months. Wow. So sometimes you cannot tell how long something has been infected until you start seeing stage one. Mm -hmm. um, stage one is called the podromal phase, and it lasts about one to three days. And this is what people think of when they say, okay, this animal is very friendly, right? It's when the animal has a low fever, headache, nausea, dilated pupils, and they're more docile around humans, and they are excessively salivating. So that stage where you're in the outdoors and you're like, oh my God, this uh, raccoon is so nice and it wants me to pet it and it's coming really close to me, that could be because the animal has rabies and it is more successful to going near things. Mm -hmm. um, stage two is what people normally think about rabid animals. It is the excitation stage and it lasts about one to seven days. And you'll notice that every stage is about to be very short in its life process. Um, this is when they are feral. Slight movements will trigger typical rabbit behaviors, and at the stage, animals will become hydrophobic, actually. So when they try to drink water, their body and their cells at a molecular level will immediately reject any liquid. So getting them near the scent or actual water will trigger them to act out in a rabid nature, right? Um, during this one, the rabies will cause an unnatural green color in the eyes because the animal is so hydrophobic and light sensitive in this case, uh, the animal will now become prone to seizures. So this is when in vets' offices. So you hear this a lot from vets when diagnosing and finding animals on the street, right? Um, this disease spreads incredibly fast because that is the only purpose of it, is to kill things. Um, actually, my one friend told me about this one uh, video game, Left 4 Dead, that the virus in it for the zombies was actually based off rabies, like a different form of it with humans. And I thought that was fascinating, completely correct. That is interesting. I really love that. I love basing things off of like real life diseases that could be feasible to turn into it. Um, I saw that scrolling through great games the other day. Now I might play it. Did you actually? I kind of want to play it too. Yeah. Uh-oh, Camp Catastrophe. Left for Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so the stage three is the least common, actually, because stage three is not normally something animals make it to because uh, it's called the paralytic stage. If they survive to stage two, uh, they are not surviving past stage three because it's the last one. It lasts about one to four days because they are technically able to swallow again 
Um, however, because of the severe dehydration that they suffer in the excitation phase, it causes them to go into a coma because they are so severely dehydrated that um, they will just become paralyzed. They will go through a urinary incontinence, peripheral vascular collapse, and finally death. Um, rabies, because I, I wanted to tell you this explicitly in detail, all the stages of it, because if you happen to be in a more animal-centered campsite, you have to look out for these animals. You cannot tell off of just first glance whether or not animals are safe to pick up, and rabies is not the only disease that animals may have that are around them, right? You could have any kind of bacteria that is foreign to your body. You don't know what you are not vaccinated towards, uh, which means make sure that if you're going camping, especially if you're going camping out of state uh, or out of country, check with your doctor to make sure that you are fully up to date on anything that we have preventative measures against. Uh, any of these wild animals, because even if you're in a campsite, they are wild, um, are not safe. The better solution is use that good, good phone camera and get a good zoom on those photos to make it as if you can be next to them. Now, if you do happen to come in contact with an animal that you have to fight, you're shit out of luck if you're talking to Counselor Poppy. However, Counselor Rain, you've got some good tips for fighting off animals, right? Fisticuffs? I'd say so. Actually, Poppy, mm -hmm. how fast are you? <laughs> um, do you remember in uh, high school, Rainy, when um, I would faint while running? Mm, yes. Um, I, I am the bottom of the barrel athletically. I, I hike with a pole to keep myself balanced and stable. And as a result, I am the defensive uh, person in the hike and in the run. I am the longest time to get to the finish line. <laughs> well, okay. So here you are, the slowest member of your camping party, face-to-face -face <laughs> with a bear. Okay. And I know what you're thinking. Bear. Bear. If dangerous, if dangerous why friend-shaped? Oh my god, mm -hmm. they are so friend-shaped, right? <laughs> If dangerous, I, oh. why fluffy? Oh. <laughs> well, from afar, a bear can appear as a wondrous woodland creature. They're fluffy. They're round. They're boisterous. They are magnificent. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. There, There is a competition that I follow every year of the chunkiest bears. And everyone's in a ranking <laughs> of, like, who is the chunkiest bear. And they're in, like, a battle royale of the votes uh, to see who is the chunkiest this year. And it's so interesting because the chunkier the bear, the more attractive they are. Because there's just more fluff to cuddle with. My god. Nature's I'm a part of a Facebook bears. group. Um, and it's called, I just know I'm going to die trying to pet something I shouldn't. <laughs> So, I just need the camp uh, to remember 
that even though I am here giving you tips um, on how to protect yourself, I just know that I'll die trying to pet something I shouldn't. Okay? Okay. We, we actively stave off the instinct to cuddle with the creature just as much as you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a daily struggle. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I am slow. How does this kill me? Well, like many wild animals, they can obviously do severe damage. So, uh, what you're going to do is use the tips I give you here to fight that fucking thing. Okay? Okay. Okay. Or don't, but you'll see what I mean by that. So, the first thing I'm going to outline is the difference between a black bear and a brown bear. Uh, The first and most obvious difference is their color. But, Mm -hmm. even if you're colorblind, you should be able to tell the difference between... The two, just based on their shade of color, a black bear is going to be a lot darker than a brown bear is. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of in the name. Something else is that black bears have more of a straight facial profile, so their head kind of goes down and in a nice, smooth angle to their snout or to their nose, whereas a brown bear is a little bit more rounded or dish-shaped, so it's got a little bit of a curve, then it'll hit the snout, which is also curved. Little round boy. And have you ever noticed that brown bears have a hump along their back? Do they actually? Yeah, it's it's a little bit similar to kind of how a camel has a hump on their back, but it's got a little hump on their back that brown bears don't have. So even if you have trouble with the color differential... uh, Silhouette. The silhouette or the shape of the bear is something else you can use as a determining factor. Um. Even easier than that are their ears, because black bears kind of have those pointed, taller ears, whereas brown bears have little rounded ears as well. Uh, Like, brown bears are what teddy bears are based off of, so that's why, you know, fluffy, why not friend, you know. Want want to pet, want to pet very badly. I would like (laughs) to boop the snoot. I, I just want one snoot boop, sir, please. Just a little snoot for a poor orphan boy, sir. <laughs> please, would you spare some boop for snoot? If you're, um, another thing is if you're looking at bear tracks, uh, you'll see more claw in the black bear's print because their nails are shorter. Um, but a brown bear has longer nails and they're a little more curved, so you'll really only see the tips of the claws in the paw print. So that's something else you can do. Maybe if you can't see the bear directly, but you see its prints and you know it's nearby, you can use those tips to sort of determine what you're dealing with. That's fine. Um, But in terms of actual attacking, black bear attacks are more prominent, but that's only because they outnumber brown bears. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're comparing the damage that both of them can do, brown bears cause a lot more damage during their attacks solely because they're stronger Uh, They're bigger, and they're much more aggressive than black bears, especially if there's cubs present. So, when a black bear attacks, it's more likely they were hunting for food or resources. Like, they weren't necessarily looking for you, the slowest member of your party. (laughs) (laughs) And they're actually a lot more shy. Mm -hmm. And they're timid, because they don't know what's going to happen if they actually attack you, you know. Most animals are a lot more afraid of us than we are of them, and that is especially the case with black bears. Like, a black bear is not going to go out of its way to attack you. Um, brown they, bears. Oh, black bears. Black bears have associated 
humans at campsites more with their food than with murder, right? Exactly. Like, they just, if they're sniffing out your food, that's what they want. They're not coming after you. Like, they honestly probably feel more threatened by the sight of a human than we feel at the sight of a black bear. Because they don't want you. They just want, they just want a little snicky snack, you know? They want a little snack in the middle of the night. And then you starve because you let a bear eat all of your food. <laughs> You're like, here, take my frosted flakes. <laughs> uh, brown bears, though, on the other hand, they do attack if they feel threatened, which, like I said before, it's especially the case if there are cubs present because the mama bear is going to do everything in her power to protect her little cubs. Um, so here you are face to face with the bear. Um, something else you're going to want to keep in mind is that when it comes to bears, a lot of the time they're going to bluff. Just like how humans say, yeah, man, I'll fuck you up. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. No, that's a bluff. We know that we're not going to fuck that other person up. I'm sorry. I've got quite a sailor's mouth today. That's okay. That's kind of what the vibe is today. I think I'm just um, amped up about these bears. You, you're in a mood. Today, you are the combat camp counselor. And it's just like that. Chin up, campers. <laughs> so a bear will appear to be charging at you ready for an attack in the case of a bluff. But in reality, they're really just trying to scare you off so that they can dissolve the conflict before they actually have to fight. Um, but you should always be ready to be on okay. the defense um, just in case they are really coming after you. So so me as the, mm-hmm. me as the tiny one who is also not very fast. What do I do? Well, first you want to notice whether or not the bear is actually charging you or if it's bluffing. Um, So during a bluff, they'll tend to puff themselves up to be a little bit larger and appear stronger so that they can prepare to charge. But if they do that, they're going to draw a little bit closer to you and then move off to the side or stop short. So if this is the case you should wave your arms above your head, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to want to remain calm because just like most animals, that thing can sense your fear. It can sense if you're about to piss your pants. (laughs) Um, And then by staying calm, you'll want to speak to the bear in a calm voice. So I got my hands above my head. I'm saying, hello, bear. How's your day going, bear? You want a little hug, bear? Oh, oh. I mean, you could be condescending as long as you sound calm. It just needs to know that you're not a threat to it or its cubs, you know. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, before you actually take on combat, this will deter the bear from causing causing any damage. And afterward, it's pretty common that the bear is just going to give you a little... It's going to give you a little vocalization and then retreat. However, on a more serious note, when a bear takes an aggressive charge at you and is genuinely intending to cause you harm... You could notice that the bear is going to clack its teeth. It's going to do a little with its teeth and it'll huff and it'll puff and it'll pound its paws down onto the ground. And that these, was adorable. Oh, my huff and puff? Yeah. It's going to huff and puff and blow the house down. Um, but, but no, seriously, like those are telltale warning signs that shit's about to go down. So just keep an eye on the bear. And if you notice any of that behavior, you have to be on the ready. And this is when you have to be faster than your slowest person in the party. Exactly. Um, okay. <laughs> Got it. That's I'll take where the that ball. comes in. <laughs> totally fine. So, so Poppy, 
when it comes to defending yourself versus a black bear, notice I said black bear because the way you're going to fight a black bear is going to be very different from how you defend yourself against a grizzly or brown bear, okay? So you absolutely 1,000% want to fight back. So with black bears, you're going to punch and you're going to kick at the bear's face and you're going to utilize your surroundings to your advantage. So whether that means you pelt rocks that you find or you sub a baseball bat for a tree branch, you're going to do it. Fun fact for the campers out there, um, I carry machete when I go camping. Use the fucking machete, but don't like- I carry- But don't kill the thing, you know what I mean? Like- Yeah. Preserve the natural wildlife. But maybe I don't want to lose an eye. I know that I'm taking on quite a role today with my sailor's mouth and my amped up energy, but of the two of us, I would say that you need to fear Poppy a lot more than you need to fear me. (laughs) And, and I don't if know you what you're talking that, about. I mean, the machete is just a little bit of a guess, you know. Okay, okay, listen. Bear repellent is legal in most states, while pepper spray isn't. I want you to take that with a grain of salt. I am taking that with a grain of salt for sure. Uh-huh. But eventually, after using whatever you have um, against the bear... It's going to be scared enough to back down from the fight, and it'll give you the space that you need to make a break for it. Um, as you do so, just keep an eye on the bear at all times as you disengage from battle. Uh, just because if it is going to charge against you again, or it's going to bluff you again, you just want to be on the ready. On mm-hmm. the opposite end of things, if you find yourself in a bout with a brown bear, you just want to do everything in your power to prove you aren't a threat. Right? Most of the time, it's just going to be protecting itself and its cubs. So, unlike what you did with the black bear, you don't want to scream. You don't want to yell. Put the machete away. Put the machete away. You're going to avoid direct eye contact, and you're going to move very slowly. You don't want to do anything that's going to draw more attention to you, because if it's charging you, what you want to do is play dead. Notice the stark difference between the black bear and the brown bear. Black bear fight. Brown bear play dead. Black bear fight. Black or brown bear freeze. Sorry, I'm confusing myself as I say it. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but by playing dead, you're gonna put yourself in a weak, feeble position, and that's what you need to prove that you aren't a threat. Um, playing mm-hmm. dead against a bear means you're gonna lay on your stomach and you're gonna put your hands clasped behind your head. Um, And you can also kind of spread yourself out a little bit just to make it a little more difficult for the bear to turn you if it tries to nudge you over. And then from there, you're just going to stay calm and stay in that position until the bear decides to leave the area. Because 99% of the time, it's going to leave once it knows you aren't a threat anymore. And it's as simple as that. They just want to keep themselves and their cubs safe. On to the topic of trash bandits. Yes. (laughs) Trash panda, trash panda. (laughs) If you couldn't tell by the name, the next creature I'm going to touch upon is a raccoon. Now, raccoons are relatively harmless on most occasions. However, as we mentioned earlier, they are still the second most common animal to have rabies. Um, A raccoon's easily identified by its small stature and its colors um, marked by gray, white, and black. And the reason I call it a trash bandit is because it sports that little mask-like shape along its eyes, which make it look like a bandit, which is so adorable. I love raccoons. Once again, 
if fluffy, why dangerous? If if friend shaped, why can't pet? You know. <sighs> I I miss the raccoon. I just want to pat his little head. I cannot. I He's just sad. a little lad who loves trash. I'm just a little lad who loves trash. Um, most raccoons are going to run away in fear of you, but I'll still just give you a little bit of a heads up on what you need to know to protect yourself if you ever find yourself in a standoff with a trash bandit. So, raccoons are curious, and they tend to live in cities and suburban areas solely because there's just, uh, like a larger volume of food and trash for them to collect in those more populated areas. I mean, naturally, when confronted, raccoons are going to, like, almost freeze up. So, like, you know, their eyes are going to get a little beady and it's going to stare at you because it wants to know your next move. Like, as a human, you are controlling the interaction. Um, And funny enough, just like a bear, a raccoon will try to bluff you by huffing (laughs) and grunting and charging. a little boy who's very upset that you're He's just a little angry. He's just trying to collect trash and you're impeding upon his plans. Um, so, if the raccoon's a little more bold and decides to take a lunge at you, all you want to do is clap your hands and give a little, hey, hey, or like a little shout, uh, because more than likely that's going to cause the raccoon to retreat. And then, if you really have to, you could toss something like a tennis ball or like a spatula in its direction just to scare it off. Um, but if you find that it's still pursuing and it's not really scared of you, kind of how Poppy mentioned earlier that um, raccoons with rabies are going to be more likely to approach you, you're going to want to remove yourself from the area and contact your local animal control or wildlife center. Um, and from there, you can seek advice and figure out what you should do next regarding the raccoon. Um, like animal control may be able to set a trap and pick it up just to get it out of the area. So that's, that's like really all I have for raccoons. Just like with anything else, they're more scared of you than you are of them. So you just want to keep that in mind. Absolutely lovely. Absolutely amazing. God, I love a good raccoon. We are not allowed to touch them. No. (laughs) No. Uh, It's not worth the risk, really. Like, they're adorable. And in the back of your head, you should always just keep that in mind. Is like, uh, is a raccoon worth getting rabies? No. Is it worth taking a picture of? Sure. You can take a picture all you want. That's, like, our moral of the story this episode. Yes. Um, uh, up next on our own little, like, The Most Extreme. Did you ever watch that show on Animal Planet? Which one? The Most Extreme. Of course I did. Oh, my God. That was you who my knew me shit. growing up on Animal Planet. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, like... <sighs> you know that, like, you know that, like, rhyme where it's, like, red touches black, venom lack, red touches such as yellow kill a fellow that how it goes yeah 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 that would that's what that's for king snakes right i can't believe you just unlocked like a forgotten memory i just pulled it from the deep recesses of your memory yeah oh that show is so entertaining like and it's formatted really silly like i think it's a little bit comical in a way but it's so interesting and the themes of each episode just keep me coming back. I love The Most Extreme. Mm-hmm. If, if The Most Extreme has one fan, I am that fan. If The Most no, Extreme no. has no fans, I am gone. <laughs> but there's two. But there's two! Me, me and you. So, meaning The Most Extreme will have fans as long as we're alive. <laughs> and God have I not been able to be killed. 
Nor have I. Now, we're going to both simultaneously knock on wood. Are you ready? Yep. Knock, 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 Everybody listening at home, please knock on wood, too. Like, we need our campers to survive, okay? We need you guys to survive, and we need you guys to hope that we survive. It's literally in our tagline, like, survive, okay? Yeah, man. Um, so here in Jersey, the most common, like, snakes are pretty much garter snakes and common water snakes. Um, while garter snakes and common water snakes are not poisonous, like rattlesnakes and water moccasins and others, it's still safe to know the ways you can prevent a bite in case you find yourself injured by a poisonous breed. So, Poppy brought up a good point earlier. When you are camping and hiking, it's always wise to wear long pants and high boots, um, so then you're covering your legs and ankles, which are obviously the most common areas you're going to be bitten. Um, it is very funny that my, my legs, I excessively have to tan them more at the beach because, um, my upper body gets way more tan than my legs because <laughs> of this habit. But it's good <laughs> practice. It's what you have to do, really. Very true. And it's be- it's good against things like chickers and ticks because you're blocking off those spots, you know? Um, so if the area that you're staying in has predetermined trails like most hiking areas, you want to sort of try to stick to those paths so you don't find yourself in tall grass or brush that's difficult to see the ground in. Um, and if you're working in areas, walking in areas other than a trail, you can also use like a long stick or a branch to poke around in front of you as you walk. Um, not only can you use this to defend yourself, but you could potentially scare snakes away as you poke, because they'll be alerted by the hit to the ground. Um, and you should also avoid handling any snakes. That, that I think you brought up earlier, which is a great point, because even if it's dead, a dead snake could still bite you just because of its body's reflex. That is so fun. Can it's you, like, wait, ah, can dead you snake imagine, bite. <laughs> like, can you imagine someone kills you? And they go to, like, walk away. And you just turn your head and bite the shit out of them. And that's just, why they say nature's like, metal. It's, like, an inherent need for violence. Mother, I crave violence kind of thing. Um, <laughs> which I hope that I have. And I hope that all of us can have that eventually. We should all strive to be a dead snake. I like it. I, all, all of us should strive to be a dead snake. <laughs> Now, the question is, what should you do if a snake bites you? Just like with everything else I've gone over so far, you really want to stay calm. Staying calm is genuinely one of the best things you can do for yourself because it'll help you think clearly and you won't find yourself in a situation where you feel like you don't know what to do. Um, And if you're staying calm and you can remember, you want to sort of try to take note of what the snake looked like. So once you do have medical attention, you can actually relay what you've seen to medical professionals so they know what you might have been bitten by. It's it's a really important measure, and this will probably be part of next episode that we're going to be talking about first aid with animals. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to seek medical attention. If you get hurt while on these trails, especially by an animal, uh, turn your ass around and go to the nearest medical facility. As fast as you can. As fast as possible, because uh, in terms of snake bites, um, Rain, I don't know if you have this written down about, like, where you keep the bite in terms of the heart. Yeah, level with your heart, exactly. Yes, level with your heart, not above it. Nope, level. Um, Do not... 
do not allow the bite to circulate in a way. And if you can make a makeshift tourniquet around it, even better. Um, yeah, I have that on here too. Um, so what I have, it's not necessarily a tourniquet because I think tourniquet is um, a last resort measure. If you're using a tourniquet, it's usually because, you know, like the rest of that area has been cut off. Like people will tend to use tourniquets if like their ankle was cut off by like a rock that fell on their leg. Um, but if you can wrap elastic around it um, enough to where your finger can still wiggle underneath of it, that's kind of what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, you want to do that, what is it, like two, three inches above the bite? I would say two to three inches or um, at your joint interlocking. Mm -hmm. um, like if it's your hand, uh, don't do it at your wrist. Do it like midway or like mm -hmm. at the elbow. Um, and it has to be like below the elbow. Yes. Um, or above, depending on where it is. You want to cut off those major arteries from having them circulate it. And because the area is going to swell, you'd want to take off any jewelry or remove any clothing from the area that the bite was located just to be safe because the swelling is going to start and it's going to be more difficult to get those items off later on down the line. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you're cleaning the wound, you want to make sure you wipe in the direction opposite to the wound so you're not spreading anything. And then like we said about getting medical help, you want to try and go to the closest place possible because you want to try to keep the initial help within the first 30 minutes. The further you stray from 30 minutes, the harder it's going to be to treat the wound. Um, so just try to keep that in mind when you're camping. Always take note of your local medical centers and doctor's offices that you could go to in the event of an emergency, like such as an urgent care. And please, Please, please do not attempt to suck the wound like you've probably seen in a movie or something. Oh, Christ. Like, oh, I know no. it looks badass, but it doesn't fucking work, and it could ultimately cause you irreversible damage. So please do not attempt that. Can you imagine if you suck venom out of the wound, and then you swallow the venom? Like, like what do you think that's going to do? Exactly. Can't, oh, my God. I know, like, shows on the tv try to convince you like these things are legit and like you should do them but please just do not like like i said we need our campers to survive <laughs> on the topic of a myth that most people believe um rain you remember my favorite myth to debunk with people don't you has to do with a little bit of pp pee -pee. a little bit of pp around your campsite yeah in a circle around your campsite <laughs> Do you, let's give our audience a second to guess what that would do for your campsite. Okay, time's up. What's that going to do, Poppy? What's that going to do? Attract the animals. That's going to attract more animals to your campsite. And then you're really going to have to fucking fight a grizzly bear. Wait, not a grizzly bear, a black bear. It, like... It's the idea as if you're marking your territory, as if you give off pheromones like they do. And, okay, here's a great example. Um, what happens when dog pisses in at a mailbox, right? And you walk your dog up to it. Your dog's going to piss there, too. Cause and every other around. dog in the neighborhood's going to come piss there, too. Yeah. So what do you think you're about to do? Huh? <laughs> and this this could honestly bring us into the rules that you want to keep in mind for your campsite as well. No piss kink. No piss kink. 
least. Not in the wilderness, especially. I'm going to say that is above every other rule I could have set for her for this. Just please don't <laughs> pee around your campsite. Like, don't it's pee literally around that your easy. Campsite. Don't pee on each other. The only time it's okay to pee on a person is when they get a jellyfish sting. Because ammonia in your pee helps dull the sting. Yes. Yes. We're not talking about jellyfish, are we? No, we're talking about campsites, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, campers. We've got, got our eyes on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to see any of that. No, I, like... We're like family here, so I don't need to see you peeing, okay? It's a really weird way to talk about family of, like, piss kinks. Yeah. All right. Let's <laughs> let's put the cap on that one, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, what other things would you recommend doing around your campsite to keep you safe? Well, something that I would recommend is definitely keeping your food out of sight and out of smell, if that makes sense. Because if an animal can't see and it can't smell your food, you're already doing a major job deterring animals from your campsite. So something you could do in advance is prepping your food ahead of time and sealing everything in Ziploc baggies or containers. And then taking those bags and containers and stowing them away in a cooler or container of some sort. Um... It's just going to prevent animals from smelling or picking up on your food, um, as opposed to just kind of having the packages out and about. That's just going to attract them more. And of course, it's inevitable that like once you do make your food and you have your snacks, there's going to be trash and leftovers, but you'll also want to keep those under lock and key. So you can just reseal those leftovers in the baggies and coolers that you have. Um, because that'll keep the aroma away from our little woodland friends. Oh, something really cool that I came across when I was researching for this episode is that mm-hmm. you can actually use fabric softener sheets near the food um, to deter the animals away from the campsite because they don't like that smell and they can disguise the sense of the food. Okay. Which so I thought was really cool. That is actually really fun. I, and that's something I've been easy to get. Just grab a couple sheets from, like, your laundry room before you go camping and you have them. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, and then there's, like, a lot of um, pantry items that you can take with you, like coffee grounds, um, rosemary, uh, cayenne pepper, and black pepper. Like, raccoons especially hate the cayenne and black pepper. Um, garlic. Garlic is something that everybody's kitchen has, like, and most smell, like, most animals hate the smell of garlic, so it's just something to keep in mind. Like, just do a little inventory of your pantry before you leave to go camping, and you'll find some stuff that you can take with you that'll really help you in the long run. It is both a vampire deterrent and an animal deterrent. Yes. Um, but, and, and while we're on the topic of scent, like, your own personal scent, you kind of want to try to keep as neutral as possible. Because animals are really attracted to smells that are out of the ordinary. They're attracted to smells that they haven't picked up on before. So if you stick to unscented soaps, shampoos, and deodorants, you'll further protect your campsite and yourself from the noses of curious animals everywhere. Okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Another rule that I could offer is keeping a campfire going. Which, um, if you're camping, you're already sort of going to have that. It's just a given. Um, but really, just like us, animals uh, have a little bit of a natural sense to fear fire. And if there's a fire going on your campsite, they're not going to approach it. Or they're going to be very unlikely to. 
So if you're with a group of friends camping, it would be wise to have like at least one person sit up late with the fire. Um, and at the same time, you could have another person go to bed at an earlier decent time so they can switch off later in the night or toward the morning. But as I said in previous episodes, please do not leave a fire burning unattended because if you burn the forest down, I will find you and I will destroy you. Do not get your counselor Rain upset at you for forest fires. Because if Rain considers me scary and I consider her scary, do with that info what you will. Yeah. Write that down in your notes, campers. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Now, the the last thing I'm going to recommend for this episode Um, is just making some noise or having some sort of noise present on your campsite. So you can utilize something like a portable radio or a speaker just so that there's something coming from your campsite. Like I said earlier, animals are more afraid of you than you are of them. So noise will act as an efficient deterrent. Um, And and I mean, like if you really think about it, if there's no sound coming from your campsite, an animal's going to assume that there aren't any threats nearby. So if you can manage to keep that constant noise, whether it's like a talk show or light music, you'll steer away most animals. And by using the tips that I've outlined, you will keep your camp and yourself safe, um, and you can keep your bear fighting to a minimum. Well, I feel actually much more prepared to fight a bear. Uh, Machete or no machete, quite honestly. And I hope our campers feel like they're much more prepared to fight a bear as well. (laughs) Please don't fight a bear. Please, please don't fight bears. They are, they are not ready to die in this food chain currently. <laughs> please try your best, campers, especially until we speak next time, because next time we'll be covering first aid and how to heal your wounds while you're camping. Until then, though, stay hydrated. Stay sharp. And survive. Thank you to our camp maintenance man, Christian, our editor, who you'll definitely hear from in the future, Brady Kellum for creating the glorious intro and outro music you heard here today, and Juliet Hunter, who drew all of the artwork that you can find on our website along with transcripts of every episode. If you want to message any of our partners regarding their work, their preferred contact info will be in the episode description and linked on our website. Thank you for listening, campers.